myself, uh, those of you that don't know, I teach in series, so uh, this is lesson number nine. We're talking about uh, healing belongs to you in Christ, so let me uh, first of all go and say, if you haven't been here in this first time, we're glad you're here, number one. Secondly, if you'll go to the website, we have all everything I've said prior is on there. Uh, MP3 is audio, MP4 is video, it's all there. I publish my notes when I speak, so my notes are available today. If you go to the website, and it'll just say today's notes. Click on that, and you, you've got them. I, I usually don't ever share everything in my notes. But they're there for your gleaning and help, and I, I really, my heart is to help you. <clears throat> so we've been talking about healing. I spent six, uh, six weeks uh, uh, laying a foundation to show the fact that it is the will of God for you to be healed. Not, not a lot of people don't believe that. Now, I was raised not believing that because I wasn't taught that. But I uh, showed you in the scriptures very clearly healing's found in the in the atonement of Christ. Uh, healing's just all through the Old and New Testament. God's always taking care of his people in every way, including their physical bodies. You know, God gave you that physical body to live in. He wants that body to be well. How many of you can glorify God better with a well body than a sick one? So anyway, we've talked in great detail, really. If, uh, if you've got questions about that, please go back and glean from uh, the website and listen to that because there's so much there. But I've spent the last two Sundays talking about one of the main ways you receive healing. And there's so much to say. And I got, y'all mind if I go a few more weeks with this? Just got so much to say in a practical way. Want to get practical bare bones on how to receive healing. A lot of people may know it's the will of God to be healed, but they don't know how to receive it. So the primary way we receive from God with anything, how many know us by exercising faith? So spent two lessons. We've talked about faith, seven things you need to know about faith. And last week, um, I mentioned three things uh, necessary uh, to receive by faith. And that is you've got to believe that you have the healing uh, before it physically manifests. Secondly, you got to talk like you've received the healing before it physically manifests. And thirdly, you got to act like in every way you can you've received the healing before it physically manifests. And that's called faith in the New Testament. And, and, and faith is a big deal. In fact, uh, in every area, think about it this way. Uh, faith receives what grace provides. Everybody say it. Faith receives what grace pr- provides. So, so what is grace? You can see grace as, as God's hand stretched out. Everything in God's hand is everything you need for your natural life, your spiritual life. Everything provided for you in Christ is in God's hand. Would you agree with that? And, and faith is simply, you remember that, uh, was it Michael uh, Angelo? Uh, that, you know, had drew the picture of the hands. And, and you got a hand reaching down from heaven, God's hand, and and then a human hand reaching to grab it. Well, well that, think of it that way. Faith is your hand reaching up to grab what God's already provided. And, and it just works that way in every area of life. And, and let me say this. Faith works the same way in every area. And let me say this further. You can find it easy to have faith in one area of life, but you struggle in another area to have the same kind of faith. So, for instance, for me, you know, when I came to the Lord, I was almost 18 and I never heard that Jesus would heal my body. When I found out, I said, man, that's great. And I grabbed that like a dog grabs a bone. And I said, I'm going to grab that. And I began to exercise faith in small things like we've been talking about. Got to be practical. But uh, I, I had no problem then as the years ensued. And here it is. I've been walking with Jesus uh, this year, 45 years in September, September 12th. But I haven't really struggled to exercise faith for healing. But, but now see, because uh, I've always been an extremely hard worker, and always excelled in any job I ever had. 
uh, when I was a kid, you know, the, the manager, I worked in grocery stores going through college and such. And they always, you know, either wanted me to be the store manager, the manager of the meat department. They used to butcher all the meat in the meat department years ago. They don't now. It all comes in prepackaged. But anyway, they always wanted me, me to be a manager because just work hard, you know. <clears throat> I was a night manager of a grocery store when I was in college. But nonetheless, um, um, so, so, so always had a salary. Always went to the top in my field of endeavor with salary. So I'd never, I never had struggles, you know, with finances because I always worked hard. And then, you know, Susan and I got married. She had her work ethic is, a, you know, she was a medical technologist and she just never had, we just never had problems like that. So I never had to believe God. How many understand? You know, if your salary's provided, I mean, you know, you just work hard, the money comes, right? So how, however you get paid weekly, a bi-monthly, monthly, whatever, you know. So, but, 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 so, so when, I, when I went out on my own in ministry, then I had to believe, be, believe God for the finances for the church. I started a small church years ago in a small town in South Carolina. Boy, that's different, you see. And, and, then, and then, you know, uh, I had a traveling ministry and such. I, I started a business years ago. So, but I found out that I had to really work on faith to receive from God financially because I never had to do it before. Does that make sense? Now, see, I can understand then a person who has never exercised faith in God for healing. Well, well then you'd, you'd struggle and you've got to really work at it. But I can tell you that if you work at it and study it and work on it, you can develop your faith in any area of life. Is that right? Uh, whether it's circumstantial things, your faith can't change other people. Their faith can change them. Your faith can't change your spouse. I know you'd like to knock them upside the head sometime, but that's not a wise thing to do. And then, you know, praying for your spouse, best way you're going to pray for your spouse is pray for you. Right? God helped me to be the best spouse that they could ever have. See, that's how I pray. For, how did I pray for Susan? Oh, God help Susan. No, no, no. God help me, be, help me to be the, the husband she needs. Lord, help me to understand her womanly ways, her womanly thoughts, her womanly ideals. Right? Right? So you go the other way, then you're self-centered and you're a mess, right? But your faith can't change another person. Your faith can always change you, but your faith can't change another person. So question, can you have faith in God uh, uh, to change circumstances? Yes. Uh, can you have faith in God in relationships? Yes, in that your faith goes up to the point where another person's will begins. You can't make your, your, dad, your son, your daughter do this, that, the other, particularly when they get older. You can wear, now, I didn't wear the hair off my head doing that, but you could. Mine's genetic, right? So, but, you know, you, you can't change other people. And the sooner you realize that, the better off you be. You can't, you can't necessarily believe God for someone else's healing unless they're a bona fide baby believer and have no idea what's going on. And then only if they agree with you. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Right? See, people don't understand this. And, you know, I just want to, can we just talk about this? Can I just talk? So these things are really, really important. But you can exercise faith in God for healing and, and then learn how to do it. And, you know, you'll have a hit and miss, you know. Uh, life isn't perfect. We're not perfect. But, you know, faith works. Let me say this. Faith is like, uh, you know, here now we have Wi-Fi everywhere. And we got Wi-Fi throughout this building. I think we have 11 Wi-Fi points in this building. I think that's right. I don't know, three or four in here, you know. You can hook your phone up iPad up to the Wi-Fi if you're in here, whatever. Wi-Fi, that's become a common, that's become a common thing in, in modern culture now. But see, Wi-Fi, what does it do? Well, once you get on Wi-Fi, you're, you're, you can connect to the world, right? So, so think about Wi-Fi and you, 
your phone connecting to Wi-Fi and, and you downloading all kinds of information. In fact, you may be, you may be on Wi-Fi and you're downloading or, or you have Wi-Fi with your, with your phone supplier. And, and, uh, and, and so you're looking at my notes on your phone. So, so think about faith being exactly the same way. Faith is God's Wi-Fi system. See, God's got everything you need. Everything you need, you need for your natural life, spiritual life, it's in God. Every spiritual bless, every blessing in spiritual places in Christ Jesus is yours. You're blessed with it, but but that's the problem. It's spiritual, and you need it now. It's not physical yet, but your faith is like hooking up, and you're up, and 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 then you're trusting God to work through your life and help you in every area. And, and it's kind of like, well, if you can understand Wi-Fi, you can understand faith. You can't see it, but it sure makes things work, doesn't it? Right? Those sine waves are all through the room right now, and they're downloading stuff, and then things are flying through the air, and you can't even see them. Well, faith is that way. You can't see your faith, but it's working, right? So anyway, um, the New Testament, and, and I want to bear home, and I'm going to give you some Old Testament examples, but before I do that, I want to mention, again, I want to talk about faith today and just, just sort of how it works, and I want you to see some practical applications to faith from people in the Old Testament. You know, those Old Testament stories, true stories. And they were written, 1 Corinthians uh, 10 says, for our learning so that we can understand how to apply the scriptures to our own lives. So we're going to look at David today. We're also going to look at the tw- uh, 10, 12 spies uh, going into the land of Canaan. Learn some things about faith from this. Really interesting. Can we read the Bible some today? So we'll do that. But uh, New Testament, the emphasis is on faith for the believer. Second Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we walk by faith. Not by sight. Uh, New Living Translation says that in a way you can clearly understand. For we live by believing and not by seeing. So again, faith is something you can't see, but it's what God promised you. Faith in what? Well, faith in God is faith in His Word. There's no such thing as having faith in God without having faith in His Word. Right? So I'm trying to say a, a lot in a little bit of time. So if you say you're believing God and you're standing, standing, standing in faith, I have a question for you. I'm not going to fall off. I'm good. I have a question for you. What scripture are you standing on uh, as a support for your faith? If you say you're believing God and you have no scripture in your mind, you're not trusting God. Did you hear me? Faith in God and faith in his word go hand in hand. And if you have no word in you, you have no faith in you. The reason people have struggled the past year with this epidemic or pseudo-epidemic is because they've heard too much of the wrong words and didn't have enough of the word in them. How many hear me? And let me just say it's going to come around again. Something's going to come around again, and it's going to stir up fear, doubt, you know, uh, put you in a quandary, what we're going to do. We're going to try to lock her down again. What are you going to do? Are you going to trust God, or are we going to go through the same rigmarole again? The enemy, the, the enemy has figured out a plan to, to ensnarl people and to trap people and to control people. Anyway, that's not my subject, but that's it. Second Corinthians, Ephesians 6, 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. See, faith is like a shield. What does a shield do? We don't have shields today. We don't think about shields I mean, I guess if you were in the armed forces or in some police force and you had a body shield, you've seen people with body shields, those plexiglass body shields, you know, they're going up and inching up to the enemy. Well, well, we don't do that. Most of us don't. But faith is like a shield. And, and uh, in, in Bible days, uh, 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 
you know, uh, troops would have shields in front. The Romans had, had a, a body shield was basically head to toe, and, and it, was, uh, it was made out of several layers of leather and such, and they had to keep it oiled and had to keep it up. And, and they just kept it in front of them, and then when people shot arrows at them or whatever, they couldn't get through the shield. The shield saved them. So the Bible says, uh, take faith as a shield. What does that mean? When the enemy attacks you with thoughts, with doubt, with unbelief, with all kinds of awful things, saying nasty things going to happen to you, you get your shield up. No, it ain't. According to the word of God, I'm blessed. Everything I set my hand to prospers. Jesus has promised to keep me healthy. He's promised to meet all my needs. He's promised I'll be ahead, not the tail above, not beneath. Everything I set my hand, my foot to, it belongs to me. I'm blessed, right? And if you just live that way, it's your shield of faith, right? Then 1 Timothy 6, to a fight. Everybody say fight. Say agonize. We get our word agony from the Greek word uh, translated here, fight. Agonize the good agony. What's, what's, the, what, what's the inference? It's tough. Living by faith is tough. Now, if you're looking for an easy way out, just go do something else. Because you'll not receive from God unless you struggle with it. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's tough. It's not easy. You got to go against the grain. You got to go against your thinking. You've got to go against what it seems to be. It's kind of like a, I've never piloted an aircraft, but I've, y'all, I've traveled a whole lot in airplane. I've talked to a lot of pilots. And, you know, uh, once, you, once you become instrument rated, you know, your head's telling you the plane's doing this when really the plane's flying straight. And you, in an instrument rated pilot, they literally put, put a hood on them so they can't see. They can't see out the windows, and they have to only look at the instrument as the, as the training pilot is by their side, and they got to learn to navigate against their feelings, right? You know anything about piloting, you know that's true. See, it's the same way. That's why I love that illustration, same way with faith. you, you got to go against the grain. It's counterintuitive to walk by faith. Intuition says, look, feel, think. What's everybody else saying? You can't go by that walking by faith. You have to go by one thing, what God said. And it's got to be greater than what you think. It's got to be greater than what you feel. It's got to be bigger than what other people say. Or or, or you'll go down the drain with everything else. Yes or no? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you're called. And have confessed. That's really good. Confess the good confession. In the presence of many witnesses. What is a good confession? That means when the going gets tough and this looks like it's not working, you don't change what you're saying. According, if it's for healing, according to God's word, I believe I received my healing. And you stand your ground. Right? First John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Jim John 20, I love this, 24 through 29. Now Thomas, one of the twins... One of the twelve, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with him when Jesus came. The other disciple, therefore, said, we've seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands, the print of the nails, put my finger in the print of the nails, put my hand into his side, I won't believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Thomas with him, Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst, said, peace be to you. He said, Thomas, reach, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Now, a lot of guys will stop right there and say, see, God will put up with your unbelief and help you unbelief. Well, he helped Thomas unbelief. Then he chided him. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. 
That went over real big. God wants you to believe what you can't see. That's faith. Now, what are you looking at? You're not looking at your flesh. You're not looking at your circumstance. You're looking at the promise of God. You know, I've gone, come through a, a couple of hard places in life in, in the 45 years almost of walk with Jesus. But, you know, every time I've had to look away from the problems, look away from what my mind said, look away from what other people said, l- look away from what the enemy was, was with his darts pushing into my mind, said, you know what, God said this, and that's what I believe. And I said it out my mouth. And you know what? When you stick with God, God will stick with you. And when you honor the word, the word will honor you. And when it comes to divine healing, if you'll just get the word of God. Now, listen, I've got weeks and weeks now of teaching on this. I, behoo- I beg you, I'll get on my knees in front of you and beg you, get in the word of God. Don't wait till your problems come. Don't wait till the challenge comes that sticks you on the bed and say, what in the world I'm going to do? Because you'll be at a disadvantage if you do that. As a pastor, I've seen that most of the time. Did you hear what I just said? Don't wait till the problem comes. Start exercising faith in God right now in the small thing, right? Right? So anyway, again, a major principle in the kingdom of God's receiving by faith. And uh, last week I mentioned uh, Jesus gave the uh, disciples a faith lesson. Cursed a fig tree. It withered when they came back by the next day. And then uh, out of his mouth they said, uh, you know, Peter said, well, look, uh, Jesus, the fig tree that you talked to yesterday actually withered. The, the leaves are, are falling off right already. That's just amazing. And then Jesus just made the comment, have faith in God. Or literally in the Greek it says, have God's faith. And then that's where you know, where you're speaking to the mountain where Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain be removed, be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart but believes what he says will come to pass. He'll have what he says last week if you were here. I had you put up a finger. Every time I said the word say or says, you put up three fingers. I said, put up a finger every time you hear, you, you read the word believe one time. It's three times as important to say as it is to believe. Because, listen, even if you don't believe right now, if you'll just start saying what God says about you, you'll begin to believe it. Now, see, that's what, that's what the news media is doing every day. You don't know it, but the news media is not your friend. There are parrots. They're parroting what? What somebody's, there's about six or seven families that, home, I can't get far into this, uh, that, that own all of the news organizations worldwide. Did you hear what I just said? And those families tell those news organizations what is important, what is not important. And so they frame the news. And so people, all you do is get your information from the news and you think you're smart. No, you're dumb. You know why you're dumb? Because somebody's telling them what to emphasize and what to say and, and what you should believe. And so it's a form of mind control. Now, you know, I, I, now if you know anything about me, if you talk to me personally, you'll find out I don't control well. Some people control very easily. They acquiesce. Well, whatever you say, I'm not like that. No, you got to prove it to me. Now, God has proved his word to me. I will bow my knee to him every day of my life. I bowed my knee to Jesus one day. I said, that's it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> You're the man. If you say it is so, if you've spoken it, you'll make it good. And then I won't be into anything else. But otherwise, see, see that's, that's why people have problems. They, they're listening to the wrong stuff. And so Jesus again said here, you got to say it. And if you keep saying it, you can school yourself in the faith. I mean, I, I've said with trembling, X, Y, Z, faith 
exercising faith for healing, exercising faith for finances, circumstantial change. I said it start with like, do I really believe it? I just kept saying, I believe I receive X, Y, Z. And you know what? Eventually it came. You know, I just, I just received, I hadn't told you all this. And, and here's an issue you ask Susan, she'll be aggravated if you tell her. Because she's aggravated with me. Said Mitch is just that way. I'll go through something, and I'll, I won't even tell her till after the fact. I've gone through some things, and I didn't tell her for years. Said Mitch, why didn't you say anything? Because that's just the way I am, Susan. I, I just live by. I'm not saying that's wise or good, particularly if you're married. But that's me because I got this thing about God that I just believe what He said, and I'm not going to talk about my problem. If you talk about your problem, you probably want attention. I don't talk about my problem. I talk about God's solution. Because if I talk about God's solution, that's what's going to show up. And the more I talk about it, the bigger it gets. So you don't know it, but the fast number of weeks, I hurt my back. I don't like to tell you how I hurt my back. I told somebody the first time today in my office, just kind of, you didn't know I was testing you out. Several weeks ago, now this is weird. This is really, to me, weird. I don't know, anyway. I was upstairs in my house. I have a downfield chair I've had for 30 years. And I love that chair because it's comfortable, number one. And, uh, and secondly, I love that chair. That's the chair I pray at. I, I pray at that chair. I love to kneel down and pray. And so I put a little pillow right there, and then I kneel down. And it's just so soft. <clears throat> anyway, I love to kneel and pray, and I humble because I need to humble me. Do you need to humble you? So I get in that form. And uh, anyway, I kneel down, and um, <laughs> I stayed there an hour and a half in the same position without moving. When I got up, it's like... Uh, we're back here. That is all the muscles around my spine. Uh, we've been here in the same, in, in the same lo- location for an hour and a half. You, you didn't treat us right, so we're going to show you something. And they did. So it hurt to sit. It hurt to walk. It hurt. I mean, laying in bed was ridiculously bad. Laying on my back was awful. Laying on my right side was worse. Laying on my left side was, I mean, I couldn't get comfortable. And I'm just believing with everything I got. And so I exercised faith. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I say what God says about my healing. I ask God to heal me. I ask him to number one, forgive me for my stupidity and not getting up and at least walk around a little bit. Then I said, Lord, heal the muscles in my back because they're grabbing my spine and making it feel real bad. I need help. And I have a full manifestation. I have no pain. I mean, there's none. See, see, see. I have no pain. There's everything. And I can sit and it don't hurt. I can sit in my truck and it don't hurt. I can sit in the chair, sit in my office. You know, got a few chairs in my all. I can sit in any of them. That's good. I can lay last night, no pain, turned over on my right side, left to sleep on my right side, no pain. Laying on my back, no pain. Left side, hey, Susan, <laughs> no pain. You know, just the way it is. Isn't that great? But see, I didn't think about the pain. I, I magnified the word, what God said. And I kept saying, Lord, I believe I received my healing. Just want to thank you so much. And I said it every time I thought about it when I would get up, ah, when I'm trying to turn in bed, ah. When I'm trying to sit, I, <laughs> Lord, thank you so much. I believe I received my healing. I thank you so. And it manifests, right? So, so that's what you do. And there's three key elements and components to faith. Now I'm going to get to what I want to talk to about. Uh, three key components to faith. Number one, Jesus said, Mark 11, 24, whatever you desire when you pray. What did he say do? Believe that you receive them. And then what's going to happen? And you will have them. Now, believing you receive is not saying I'm healed. That's not true. That's not exactly true. If you're believing you receive, that means you don't have what you need, but you believe it's there, even though it doesn't feel like it's there. 
So if you say to somebody, how you doing? And you go and you're snotting around, blowing your nose, coughing, or you're limping, whatever you're doing, and they, or they see whatever on your body that you're still not healed. And you say, well, I'm healed. Well, it's obviously not true. So what should you say? I say, well, how you doing? Looks like you're not doing very well today. I say, well, thank you. I'm doing great. I believe I receive my healing from my Heavenly Father. I believe I receive. Well, it looks like you hadn't received. I didn't say I received. I said I believe I received. I believe I've received the answer to my, I've asked God to heal me, and I believe I received the answer from him. See, faith is a gap stander. Here's your problem. Here's the answer, and in the middle is your faith. And your faith stands, your, your faith is the guarantee. It's the title deed, like you got one to your car or house, that you've got what you asked for, right? I got to say this over and over again because it's counterintuitive, right? Uh, once you get this, I mean, you got to think on this a lot, and then finally one day you'll go, Oh, yeah, I see it. Oh, I got to believe I got it before I get it. That's it. You got to believe you receive it. God's, your challenge is to believe you receive it. And God's issue is to give it to you. And see, your faith is that gap stander. You're hooked up to God's Wi-Fi system, and it's just pulling it right down into you. And then I don't know how many thousands of times in my life I've been believing God for this, that, or the other. And then one day it manifests. So one day I've been, you know, we've been... Been trying to get the building permit. We got a site permit, building permit for the building, I told you. How many months ago, Robert? October, September, October? All those months. Now, I just flat out believe I receive. And you know what I do? I think about it. I think about the signing on that dotted line. I think about the construction manager coming in. Well, I got it. I see it all the time. I'm looking for an email. I'm looking for a phone call. He might call me today. I'm expecting before I go to bed. He's going to say, well, I got it. Just forgot to tell you Friday. I said, well, thank you. You don't have it today, you believe it'll come tomorrow. But you believe you receive, you get it? So you're excited and happy. Now, David did this. Watch this. Everybody good? And I mentioned that, you know, with faith, you got to start with little things. Start with a little circumstance. Start with a little bit of money that's not going to bankrupt you. Just start with a little bit of need for healing, like a rash or a bump or a cold or the flu or something. Headache. Start with something small. Now, David did that. And David, David whooped, that's South Carolina for whipped. He whooped Goliath, 1 Samuel 17. Don't, can I read? Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Now, now, now David was a redhead, freckle-faced little boy, about 16 years old or so, just young. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine. Possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Now, that's the news media talking to you. Did you hear me? That's your family talking to you. You can't do that. You raised here. You know, you know better. You can't do that. It's not going to happen that way. Shut up. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Now, that's a big boy. There's no, there's no predatory animal going to mess with my flock, he said. He's a little boy. He trusted God. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it won't come near me. I won't be afraid for the... Arrow by, by, by the, you know, the whatever by night. The pestilence of night. The arrow that flies by day. I won't be afraid of anything. My God takes care of me. And he acted that way as a kid. 
he said this, when a lion or bear comes and steals a lamb from the flock, then verse 35, I'll go after it with a club, rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal was, it turns on me. Can you see this? I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I mean, come on, y'all. I've done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too. For he's defied the armies of the living God. I mean, come on, y'all. Here's a little kid. He comes up, what would you do? My Lord, here's a lion. Y'all, I've been on the Serengeti Plains. And I've had lions walk by and I was trembling in my boots like, Jesus, help him not to bite us. Uh, we had no covering. We had nothing. He's just walking by looking. And then he growled one time. Woo. They'd have a big old guttural growl. like, Jesus, help us. Well, David said, you come near me, I'm going to grab you by the jaw. And I'm going to whoop you to death with a club. And now that's some faith, right? Now, what's he saying? I, I, I did it with the little things. To him, a lion was a little thing. Or a bear. Good Lord, a bear comes, you better run. But he caught him by the jaw, whooped him. See, David did, did what he did in the little, he did in the big. So what you doing with the little circumstance? If you're doing nothing with faith, you're not ready for the big thing. David was. The Lord rescued me, he said, verse 37, from the claws of the lion, the bear. And he will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally considered, all right, go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. And then, and then they tried to get David in the flesh. Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. He said, I can't do this. This is not the way I've been living. Huh? He protested to Saul, I'm not used to this. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream, put them into the shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley uh, to fight the Philistines. See, see, faith believes that what God promises is true. He believed that God would protect him. God protected him from the lion. God protected him from the bear. And he fully expected Psalm 91 to come to pass in his life. So he didn't retreat from Goliath. No, he went and did what he always did, got a few stones for his sling, and then ran towards the big old giant. Now, I did some research. You'll find out they had giants, and I don't have time to tell the whole story. It's quite un- incredible and amazing. But they were from 10 feet to 36 feet tall. And they were in that area of the Middle East, and they found their bones. They have found their bones in certain locations. Uh, Goliath was about 10 feet tall. So, so I'm 6'3". You figure four feet ahead uh, above me, and then you fill out the body of that. That's a big dude. Now, that's an NFL player right there. I'm going to tell you right now. So anyway, um, he picked up the five smooth stones from a stream, put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley. See, exercised his faith. Goliath walking out towards David with a shield and, and his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering his contempt at this ruddy-faced or freckle-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here. I'll give you flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistines. See, this is his faith talking. And, and faith has to speak or it's not faith. If you're not saying what you believe, you don't believe anything. You say you Jesus, Jesus is Lord and you, you, juggle, you guggling whiskey. And you're lusting after the boys or the girls, whether you're a man or a woman. Or, or it could be either one now. And, and you're cussing like a madman. And you're doing all the, all the wrong things. And you're filled of, with self-centeredness. And mess, and you say you're safe, and you never say anything about Jesus, you better think of thing, another thing. How many hear me? What you say, your faith comes out of your mouth from your heart. Right? Always does. 
Anyway, so uh, David said, Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, cut off your head. Then I'll give your dead bodies, uh, uh, the bodies of your men to the birds. I'll kill you men too. And wild animals, and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. That's his faith speaking. Reaching, and Goliath moved closer to attack David. David ran quickly out to meet him. See, that's faith. Faith has corresponding actions. you got to find a way to act your faith, whatever it is. got to believe you receive, talk like you receive, and act like you do. And that's what David did. He didn't run from Goliath. He ran towards him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank, and Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and stone, had no sword. And that's an amazing story. See, see, faith did that. F-A-I-T-H did that. He was just a little boy. I mean, Goliath could have just picked him up with one hand and squeezed his guts out. But he reached down in his bag, just got a little rock. Let me show you a thing or two. Boom, knocked him down. That's amazing. Now, that's the kind of stuff you ought to be reading, not listening to the evening news every day. Right? In fact, you know, you're eating your sandwich for lunch, read that. And then Numbers 13, uh, God had promised Abraham a parcel of land in the Middle East. Uh, Israel's on a portion of it today, but it's a whole lot bigger than than they have right now. Nonetheless, uh, they had just come out of Egypt they being Israel, and God had promised that they're going to a land God promised Abraham, their forefather. And then Moses said, guys, I need one guy from all of the 12 tribes of Israel. I want you to go look at, there and see what, look at the land God promised to give us and see what it looks like. And so here it is. Moses gave these men the instructions. He sent them out to explore the land. Go through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. Find out uh, whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live, in, uh, they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do, do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for har- harvesting the first ripe grapes. So, I mean, it's just practical questions. I mean, if you're going to inherit a land, you don't want to know what it's like. So they went up, sport, explored the land. From the wilderness of Zen as far as Rehob and near Lebohamath, going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived in Hebron, where Ahim, and you know nothing about none of us, you know, most of us, this is clueless stuff to us, where Ahim and Shishai and Talmai, all descendants of Agnet, now these were giant guys, all right, bunch of them, uh, um, Goliath wasn't the only one. The ancient town of Hebron <coughs> was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. So when they came to the valley of Eskol, they cut down a branch with a single clutcher of grapes so large they, it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. I like those kind of grapes, don't you? Uh, they also b- uh, brought back samples of pomegranates, figs. The place was called the valley of Eskol, which means cluster. Because of the cluster of grapes, the Israelites' men had cut there. So after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, the whole community of Israel. So there's 12 guys. They've been in the land, and, uh, and they've been there 40 days. You'll find like they've been there 40 days. They've been checking it out. Land for 40 days, the men returned. Moses, Aaron, the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit 
they had taken from the land. Looky, looky, look at these big old grapes. Man, this is, have you ever seen things so big? Look at these pomegranates. Look at these figs. Look at this stuff. This is an amazing land. They say, wow, wow, y'all. And all everybody's eyes are big as saucers, you know. And so they go on, and uh, the Amalekites, they said, but, well, let me finish here. Where was I? Verse 27. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But, but, the, but, 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 you know, your butt will get you in trouble every time. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live among the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. But, but, now but, Caleb's butt countered their butt. His butt was bigger. But, that's the only but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. See, his butt was full of faith. Their butt was full of doubt and pessimism. But, they countered with their butt, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report among the, uh, about the land among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explore... Explored will devour anyone who will live there. All the people saw, um, we saw were huge. I mean, 10 feet to 36 feet, that's big people. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, how did they know what the, the other people were thinking? No, they presumed the wrong thing. Now, why did they see themselves as grasshoppers to the giants? Because they weren't in the Word. They didn't have faith in God. How many hear what I'm saying? They, they had forgotten that God had delivered them from, from, from the Red Sea and had whipped their enemies behind them. They had forgotten that God had, uh, had ten plagues that he enacted against the gods of the Egyptians. They had forgotten all that they had seen, and they were going by what they saw and what they felt. And if today, if we go by what we see and what we felt, and let me go further, if you follow the crowd, you're going to fail like the crowd will. Now, it's, it's full bore on today. If you believe what everybody else is doing, you're going to mess up. This goes over big. Y'all, in our future, you got choices to make. Are you going to trust God or are you going to go with the crowd? These 12 spies, 10 of them, think of it. 10 of them said, we can't do this. We're not big enough. Those, those, those guys will whip our backside, take all our family, take our food, take our stuff, kill us. We can't do it. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, only two said, you know what? When you look at those giants compared to God, he's bigger. And he'll help us whip them. The other ten, they compared the giants to themselves. They couldn't get past their flesh. And unless we can get past our flesh and what we think and what others think, we cannot succeed either. Did you hear what I just said? Now, our American culture is in a conundrum right now. Are you going to listen to everybody else? Are you going to do what God said? Most people do what everybody else does. Is that true? What you've been doing. You do what everybody, you believe what everybody else believes. If you believe what everybody else believes, you may go where they go. 
Yes or no? Gets quiet. Numbers 14, watch this. Then the whole community began to weep aloud and they cried all night. Why did these people cry all night? You got 12 spies. Two said, we can whoop them. We can go in the promised land. Ten said, ain't going to happen. We're grasshoppers. That was their opinion of themselves based on their flesh, their thinking, their feelings, and their sight. They had nothing, that had nothing to do with faith. Caleb and Joshua, what they said had nothing to do with what they could see or what they experienced. It had everything to do with what God said. But the whole community began to weep and they sided with the ten. And you, you know, if you follow the crowd, you're going to mess up. How many hear me? last year was child's play compared to what's coming. Last year was a test run to show us where we are, whether we have faith or not. Can I be honest? A lot of people fail the test. Did you hear me? Do you trust the news media? If you listen to them, you do. For the first time in my life, I had to turn it off. I'm not kidding. I, you know, I like to be well informed, but I found out there's other ways to get information. And now the whole world is, dis- is, is under this cloud of um, a deception. I'm trying to look for an adju- a subterfuge, so things underneath the surface that are working. And you need to know that today. And I'm concerned about the body of Christ I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the church world. I know for me in my house, I'm going to walk with God and do what he said. And I'm not going to kowtow to fear and what people are saying. I'm going to go with what God said. Now, the only, there were only two out of the ten spy, 12 spies that, that did what I just said. They said, God, you've shown us in the past. You'll do the same thing you did before. You can deliver us, you can help us, but nobody believed them, and the people wept all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If we had only died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why did the Lord take us to the country only to have us die in battle? Shut up already. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted against themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron, now, you know, they could have said, you guys need to get right with God and repent. Instead, they fell on their face. Down on the ground before the whole community of Israel, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of uh, Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give, us, give it to us. It's rich. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are, they are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. Wow. You, you know the difference between these two? The ten and the two? The, 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 the two had God's word in them. They believe what God said. Did you hear me? They believed what God said. They trusted the God of Israel. You know what the ten did? They trusted their feelings. They trusted their thoughts. They trusted other people's opinions more than they did God. Now look what happened. Everybody okay? It's quiet in here. Wow. So here we are. Um, 
Verse 10, by the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. He said, I'll just leave them alone. Let, let nature take its course. I will disown them. He said, I'll make you into a nation greater and mightier. And Moses interceded for them. Moses objected, what will the Egyptians think when they hear about it? Ask the Lord, they know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land uh, who have already heard that you live among your people. They know, Lord, that you've appeared to your people face to face and that, you're, that your pillar of cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Now if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard your fame will say, the Lord Lord will not be able to bring them into the wilderness he swore to give them so he killed them in the wilderness please Lord prove that your power is as great as you have claimed for you said the Lord is slow to anger filled with unfailing love forgiving every kind of sin rebellion but he does not excuse the guilty he lays the sins of the parents upon their children the entire families affected even children to the third and fourth generations in keeping with your magnificent unfailing love please pardon the sins of the people just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt now, you know, if you, want it, if you need a leader, that's the kind you need. One that will get you back. He knows you're a mess. He knows you're full of doubt. He knows you're full of pessimism. Knows you're full of unbelief. But he'll pull you up by the bootstraps and say, don't give up yet. And then he'll go to God and say, God, don't give up on these people. You hear me? That's a good leader. A good leader won't take it. Well, that's the end of it. No, no, he said, God, you can't do this. These people have messed up, I know it, but pardon them. And then the Lord said, I will pardon them as requested. Wow. But as surely as I live, as surely all the earth will be filled with the Lord's glory. Not one of these people will ever, watch, not one of these people will ever enter the land. They have all seen my glorious presence, the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt, the wilderness. But again and again, they've tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who treated me with contempt will ever see it. But... My servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Now turn around and don't go on towards the land where the Amalekites and Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out, and he told them what to do. And you know what? You can read the rest of that bottom line was everybody got exactly what they believed. The ten, let me say this, it it wasn't the giants that whipped them. It was their own thinking. And it's their own lack of faith in God. And it's their inability to see past their flesh and their feelings and their thoughts. Did you get it? So, So it wasn't the giants that whipped them. They whipped themselves. They were whipped before they ever went in the land. You know, a lot of people live that way. But but Joshua and Caleb, see, they were winners. And they never would acquiesce to what the crowd said. They said, uh-uh, God promised, God said, God will perform. God's done it before, he'll do it again. And they just kept saying it, and God said to all of them, I'm going to give every one of you exactly what you said. None of the children of the ten spies went into the land. All of them died. You know why the, the Israelites wandered 40 years in the wilderness? Because of unbelief. It was because of their lack of faith. It's because there are four, those ten spies who represented all of them said, we can't go. And God said, well, I got to honor what you say. You won't go. <laughs> but God said to Joshua and Caleb, 
You said you can go. You'll be old, but you'll go. Right? But what about me and you today? What you saying? Are you agreeing with the crowd? Are you acquiescing to the normal things that you hear? Are you going back to the book? Are you believing what God said about you? Are you saying what God has said about you? Are you saying it in front of others, even if it means they ridicule you and disagree with you and say you're crazy, foolish, stupid? If you'll do it, God will honor your faith. How many hear me? So what are you willing to do? You're willing to defy your flesh, defy your, what, the, what your thinking says, defy what your flesh says, and say what God says. See, that's faith. That's how it works. You know, all it works over and over and over and over. And it pleases God. You know, uh, certain translations here in Numbers 13, God called unbelief evil. And we think about evil as, you know, some kind of perversion or, you know, immorality or lying or cheat stealing, hurting people, killing people. That's it. No, God sees another thing evil. Unbelief is as evil as all the rest. Did you get it? I don't know about you. I don't want God to find unbelief in me. Boy, what's he going to find in you? 